In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, it's a sin to make artificial and wicked distinctions or divisions among men. Uh, It's fine to notice distinctions and differences between people, but it's a sin to divide them on account of those differences. For example, to separate men based on their ethnicity or skin color is wicked and demonic. It's evil to forbid some to drink from one water fountain or to use the same restroom and uh, prohibit them from walking into the same building or things like this because of their skin color, their ethnicity, where they come from, and things like that. That is a sin. It's equally sinful to accept students into schools and to hire others for jobs solely because of their skin color or ethnicity. Uh, What the world calls affirmative action today is simply another form of discrimination, treating people differently based on their skin color. That values people based on what they look like as opposed to their grades or their contributions or their merits, things like this. That also is sinful. It is even worse to discriminate against little babies in the mother's womb simply because they're weak and small and they need help. It is completely satanic to put people in the womb into a separate category that allows us to murder them simply because we don't want them or they're an inconvenience. It is wrong. It is wrong to say that this group of humans doesn't have a right to live simply because they're younger than we are. That is a sin. All of these sort of distinctions and divisions are vain and meaningless artificial divisions among men. They're worthless categories that segregate people based on superficial differences, based on what is seen, what you see. These divisions are worthless because your neighbor is made of the same flesh and blood that you are. Regardless of what color their skin is, or what he knows or doesn't know, or his abilities, or his age. So to make divisions among ourselves over such shallow differences is completely worthless. It's a waste of time. And it's evil because God made our neighbor and knit them together in our mother's womb. That is the point. So it's, it's fine to notice the differences. It's fine to see that there are differences and distinctions between peoples. But it's stupid to divide them or segregate them on account of those things that are so shallow and, um, and, and meaningless. Now, with all that being said, a day is coming, though, when God will separate and segregate all people. He will discriminate between people, eternally separating one from the other. This will be a true and valid distinction. And it will be profound and it is irreversible. This is the division that Jesus will make between us all, all human beings, all flesh and blood on the last day when he separates the sheep from the goats. That is the only distinction that matters. And he will judge us and segregate us not based on the color of our skin, our language, our age, or our sex, but he will separate us based on righteousness, on righteousness alone. 
which is the only real and worthwhile distinction among men. Jesus will divide people based on righteousness. And, and the thing about righteousness is that righteousness is either something that you have or you don't. You cannot have it to a degree. You, you are righteous or you are not. You cannot have some righteousness. You are, you, you're righteous or you aren't. Uh, think of it like perfection. You cannot have degrees of perfection. Something that is perfect and more perfect and the most perfect. It makes no sense that it wouldn't be perfect. Either something is perfect or it's imperfect. And it only takes the smallest speck, the tiniest blemish to turn something from perfect to imperfect. That's, that's the only distinction between the two. One is without flaw and one has one. At the very least, one flaw. Uh, Jesus lived a holy, righteous life. And yet, if he could have sinned, which he couldn't sin, but if he could have, and if he did sin, even on his, he lived a perfect life, his entire life, and on his final second, in his final breath, his final gasp for air in his life, if he simply had one fleeting thought or idle word come out of his mouth at that moment, or just an ounce of anger course through his veins, then he would be imperfect. He would not be righteous, and it would be all for nothing. He would have gone from completely holy and sinless and righteous to entirely unholy, entirely sinful, and entirely unrighteous because of that one fleeting thought or idle word or feeling. That is how righteousness works. You are or you're not. And that is also the standard to get into heaven. The standard to get into heaven is not to be more righteous than the people around you. The standard is righteousness. The standard is perfect, is, is a perfect record where you look back on your life and there is not one blemish or stain or spot on your life. That is the standard. The standard to stand before God is to be blameless and innocent, being immaculate and impeccable before him. Those are the only people God will allow into heaven. That's it. It is a place of righteousness, a place of purity. He's not going to allow impurity to be in that place. The only people God allows into heaven are those whom he could look back on their life and see only good works and zero sins and zero mistakes. That is it. That is the criteria with which Christ will judge the living and the dead. Matthew 25 is a prophecy. Jesus is telling us a prophecy of what is to come on that final day. He's telling us what that exact day is going to look like. And it's not a parable. He's telling us exactly how it's going to play out. And here Jesus tells us what's going to happen. He tells us that he'll gather everyone. He'll come with all of the hosts of heaven. No one will be left out of this day. He will bring them all to that day. And he will then... Uh, like a shepherd separates sheep from the goats, he will then separate people to his left and to his right. Um, he will then send those to either eternal life or to eternal condemnation. And what is astonishing uh, for us Lutherans about Jesus' words here is that Jesus reveals to us that this judgment is based on on works. 
Do you understand that? As Lutherans, we say we're saved by grace through faith alone. And then here comes the final judgment. And he says, no, this judgment will be based on works. It will be based on what you've done and what you haven't done. And he goes on to to prove this. He proves this by listing the works. And he says, because the the sheep are on, on his one side. And then he says, because to the sheep, he says, because I was hungry and I was thirsty and I was naked and I was in prison and you gave me food and drink and you visited me and so on. And to the goats, he judges them based on their works. And he says to the goats, uh, you will then go to eternal uh, damnation because I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was a stranger and so on. And you did not give me food, give me drink or visit me. That's what the Bible says. That's straight from the lips of Jesus. We can't change that or make it say anything else besides what he clearly says. And that is the deep and serious division between men, those who have done good and those who have done evil. Now, um, if you're like me, when you first read this text uh, and you hear this, you would be nervous and very afraid. Um, But if you read through the text again, slowly, and if you take your time, you're going to notice one remarkable thing in Jesus' words. One remarkable thing about this judgment. When Jesus judges the sheep, what works does he list? The only things he recalls are good works to their name. You did this and you always did this. You fed me, you clothed me, you did all these things. And to the goats, when he recounts their works, what did they do? All bad things. They didn't do anything good. You didn't visit me. You didn't feed me. You didn't do this and that. So, uh, and, and this is, uh, the, the question here is, who are the ones that fit this description? Because I don't know anybody who only does good, and I don't know anybody who only does bad. I know unbelievers who do good things. I know Christians who do bad things. So who, who are these people? We see a mixture in everyone, and we see some combination of this. So who are the sheep and who are the goats? Uh, The Bible tells us very plainly who they are. The goats are those who did not have faith in Jesus. They are unbelievers. And because they don't have faith, they don't have good works. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In fact, their good works, they were seemingly good works that appeared good to you and I, but they were offensive to God. He did not accept their good works. God was not pleased by them. Not only were they, was he not pleased, he was offended by them. Isaiah 64 says that even their righteous deeds are like what? Like filthy rags before his throne. It's, it's disgusting to him. It's, uh, it's, it's a gift that is soiled with sin. He doesn't want it. He rejects it. So even the good that they did was polluted with sin. And so the goats are unbelievers. They have nothing, the Lord knows nothing good that they did. And those sheep, the ones who did nothing wrong, the ones who did everything right, the ones who are welcomed into the kingdom of God on that final day, those sheep are you. They're you who have faith. And the reason you did nothing wrong in God's eyes is not because you actually 
did nothing wrong. It's not because you actually lived a perfect and holy life, but the reason he sees no wrong in you is because in his death, Jesus forgave all of your sins and truly wiped them away. And there's nothing left of your wrongs for God to look at anymore. Psalm 32, which Paul quotes in in, uh, Romans, says this, Blessed, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord, what? Counts no sin. In Jeremiah 31, God says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember them no more. So the reason God will not bring up any of your sins against you on that final day and that last judgment isn't because you haven't sinned, but it's because he has truly forgiven your sins. And he does not remember them. He will not count them against you. So, dear saints, if you are worried about your sin and your failures and your past mistakes and your errors, your wickedness that haunts you, the things that you can no longer do anything about in your past and in your history, if you're afraid of what God will say to you on that final day when he will judge you based on your works, don't be afraid. Because Jesus today tells you what he will say on that final day. He tells you exactly how he will judge you. And he tells you exactly how many sins of yours he's going to bring up against you. Zero. None. And he will bring up not one of your sins, not because they weren't a big deal or because they weren't offensive to him. He'll bring up none of your sins because he has truly forgiven them from his heart as he spilled the blood out of his body, every last drop, as he gave up all the breath in his lungs for you, as he suffered and died for you. His death did something. It erased your sins in the mind of God. He didn't forget to forgive any one of your sins. And so he will not remember any one of your sins on, his, on the last day. So don't be afraid of the final day of that day of judgment when, the, when uh, the Lord will give to everyone according to his works because God will tell you, dear sheep, dear saints, dear Christians who have faith in the Lord who died for you. He will tell you then what he has told you now. He reveals to you the ending. What he will tell you is come you who are blessed, blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.